0: box radio with me your host christine glasdale out of the box radio is a weekly podcast of audible ear candy dedicated to bringing a fresh perspective on this thing that we call life and each and every week we're going to be diving into the topics that matter most with lively conversations on issues such as health wellness and transformational healing all with the goal of creating a better world and becoming a happier human being I will be your tour guide for this epic adventure, and each and every week we're gonna be embarking on a journey with the ultimate goal being transformation to our highest potential. And now, let's get out of the box. My guest today is Alana Freeland, and she is an investigative author, speaker, and researcher who's written several books on geoengineering, chemtrails, and the weaponization of space. Alana first documented geoengineering programs in her 2014 book, Chemtrails, Harp*, and the Full Spectrum Dominance of Planet Earth, and in her new book, under an ionized sky from chemtrails to space fence lockdown she exposes geoengineering as a tool of the military industrial intelligence complex for global control over all of life i think you'll understand why this is an important conversation you need to hear just by just by introducing her alana welcome to out of the box radio
1: thanks for having me christine
0: now, I, I just in that introduction, of course, I, I let our listeners know that uh, there's quite a few things that we're going to talk about, but more importantly, quite a few things that people need to, to hear and understand and wrap their head around. Let's first, though, let's talk about how did you first uh, get into this subject matter and what is your background, if you don't mind?
1: Well, uh, years ago, a uh, couple of three decades now i started researching the what i what i used to call the underbelly of the united states government uh for a series i was writing uh, on my own i i also ghostwrite people's books but this was my own series and uh i called it sub rosa america and in that series i um turned it into fiction uh because i needed a broader uh scene in which I could comment on what's happened to the United States since John F. Kennedy's assassination in Dallas. Um, I, I really, my political life began with John Kennedy because I was elected at Girls State when I was a teenager to represent 800 girls in Washington at Girls Nation. And when I went to Girls Nation, uh, I was there a week at the American University, and um, we were hosted, my group was hosted by uh, Vice President Lyndon Johnson. So he was with us every day. And um, I, uh, I became the, I think I was campaign manager, no, I was librarian of Congress was what uh, my mock government uh, position was. And uh, I, I can't help but feel to this day how appropriate that was, given that I'm pretty much an intellectual and uh, and a writer and a and a very deep uh, historian over you know what's gone on in the past decades of my life, in, uh, in a political sense. So on the I think on the next to the last day we had tea with uh, President Kennedy in the Rose Garden. Um, Bill Clinton was there. Uh, he subsequently became president, as you know. Um, he was Boys Nation. I didn't know him. But he, uh, when he was president, he pulled out a lot of photos that were taken of him uh, in the Rose Garden and during that week at Boys Nation. So it, somehow he was being groomed a long time ago for the position of power that he would take. Uh, I um, I was very affected by John Kennedy, uh, and he uh, was uh, somehow, hang this may sound strange, but somehow he was familiar to me. And uh, he picked me out of the audience and said that, uh, you know, I look like his wife, and and made a bit of something over me and I became sort of a celebrity for five minutes in my home state. So when I got back to my home state, I was asked to come and uh, speak on my my time with Kennedy. And uh, then three months later, he was dead. And uh, I had to go back to these civic groups that had paid for my trip to Washington and speak in about my time with Kennedy uh, in rooms filled with sobbing Americans. So um, that that was really uh, the beginning of my larger life, I would say. It's um, almost like my girlhood turned into something else, not quite adulthood, but certainly uh, conscious and self-conscious uh, of, uh, a, a, of a national scale going on at the same time as my little private life. And um, so that that began my political life. As far as uh, the research I did for the SubRosa America books, um, I had files on just about everything you can possibly imagine. Um, MKUltra, CIA, uh, globalization, um, the UN, etc. cetera. Um, but I also had two files, one on chemtrails, and one on HARP, the High Frequency Active Auroral Research Project up in Gakona, Alaska. Um, as soon as um, uh, Nick Begich's and, and Jean Manning's book *Angels Don't Play This Harp* came out in 1995, I was reading it, and and that is probably when I went on some sort of list uh, because I um, I chanced to be reading the book uh, during a break I had as a substitute teacher. Uh, in the Pacific Northwest at a high school near a very big military base. And I, I uh, afterwards realized that probably a lot of the staff at the high school, not to mention the students, were uh, from the military base, uh, at least spouses of military officers, et cetera. So uh, I was reading the book at the, in the faculty um, room, and uh, two of the male teachers really uh, were very curious about the title. And so I explained the little bit at that point that I knew. Uh, and um, and there was another person at the table, a, a, a sort of mousy little woman who never looked up from her sandwich. Uh, <clears throat> so the next day I was out raking leaves in my yard and... Uh, a military helicopter came over my house and stayed uh, pretty low for about five minutes. Uh, and um, I realized that the uh, probably someone had reported my reading that book, uh, and uh, it was after that that my phone began to uh, have clicks in it. So I realized I had read about it. I knew that it was a tap of some sort. Uh, And so that that was the next uh, probably big step in my political life uh, for now, Uh, though I had been in the 60s. uh, In the 60s, I had been involved in various political things going on uh, at universities that I went to. So so I was asked when I got back from uh, New Mexico. I lived in uh, England for a few years and then I came back to the States, moved to New Mexico. I'd already gone to grad school there, and so I settled in there for five years, and then I finally came back to the Pacific Northwest and was asked by uh, Adam Parfrey at Farrell House. Uh, I had done some editing for him while in England, and he asked if I thought I could write a book on um, chemtrails. So I said, of course, yeah. And uh, so that that was the beginning. I had already uh, encountered... One of the large uh, personalities in the chemtrails movement at that time, and and still to to a great extent, uh, Clifford Carnicom. Oh, I know Clifford. Yeah, yeah. Who's uh, an independent scientist? Uh, he had worked for the DOD and the uh, BLM in years past, and had left them to become in, uh, to remain independent. And uh, and so Clifford, uh, I met him through a friend and we all started going out to breakfast together in New Mexico, in Santa Fe, uh, at Harry's Roadhouse. And um, we would sit and um, and fall into discussion over the research that he was um, acquiring at that time. That would have been the early 2000s. And he, what he was doing was uh, he was collecting um Detritus off of his HEPA filter on his on his trailer, and um, precipitation having it analyzed, analyzing it himself, uh, and he was coming up with what we now know to be Morgellons uh, as being part of whatever was falling from the uh, the chemical trails being left across the what once beautiful blue. Uh, Northern New Mexico sky. So Clifford had already uh, gotten me very intrigued. And um, he had begun the process by which I realized I had two files, the chemtrails harp uh, and the harp file, and that they really belonged together because uh, they, they were a unit. And uh, I had not realized that until Clifford set me on that trail. So I, I started in, uh, in 2012. We had a fantastic conference down in Los Angeles, the Consciousness Beyond Chemtrails Conference, sponsored by John White. And uh, it was there that I saw the, uh, the relatively large personalities that were dominating the uh, so-called Chemtrails movement at that time, which was largely an Internet movement and remains so to this day. Uh, and um, I was the new kid on the block. Nobody knew me. I sort of just sat back and watched, and Clifford and I spent a lot, of, quite a bit of time together. And, and then um, when I, uh, I got back to uh, the Northwest, I started writing, uh, and, uh, and the writing went very uh, rapidly, but it took two years of research and writing to write Chemtrails Harp and right. the full-spectrum dominance of planet Earth. So uh, that was... That was that book came out in 2014, and uh, immediately I started writing the next book because when I had been on coast to coast, um, I had uh, after after being on coast to coast, I was contacted by hundred literally hundreds of people, and one of them was Billy Hayes, who is known as the harp man in the movement, and Billy um, had a a phenomenal life. Uh, he's He's still alive, he's in Kansas, and um, he, he had been the, uh, the tower man, the erector, they call them tower erectors. He had been the team leader at uh, the Harp installation, and uh, in fact, he'd worked on these microwave and radio frequency, uh, radio wave towers and installations his entire life, I think his first job. Uh, was at eight years old Uh, his father had worked for an agency a three-letter agency I won't name Mm -hmm. and Billy uh, had followed in his steps Uh, and so Billy contacted me and said uh, okay you know uh, people told me about your book it's they said Billy you won't believe it she's talking about the same thing you've been saying for 15 years Uh, and he said but but I have more he said there's more to this uh, than just the uh, chemical trails and radio frequency that are producing the weather, the weather engineering going on. And we weren't using the term geoengineering so much then in in twenty fourteen. No. But uh but we were familiar with it. We had heard David Keith and Ken Caldera, the geoengineers that are generally trotted out at the conferences that uh that talk about uh, you know, the the sort of wringing their hands and oh gosh we we're probably going to have to use it because, you (laughs) know, the global warming is getting so bad. We're going to have to pull out this really, oh my, oh my. And uh, really, when it had been going on for two decades already. So
0: let's just, let's first, because we're
1: we're talking about geoengineering,
0: but let's take it a step back for those who are not familiar with this at all. If anybody's looked up to the sky, they might notice there are these long streaks that go across uh, it, not just like a regular contrail from a jet or a passenger jet like going from, you know, LA to Hawaii. It is because when they, when those planes go by, there's a condensation trail and and it's a short amount and then it usually dissipates, right? Because it's water. Now, what, what we've been noticing, what millions and millions of people around the world have been documenting and investigating as yourself are what has been commonly called as chemtrails, not contrails, but chemtrails. Now let's talk about. Let's just go to the real basics that we can do. What's the difference between a chemtrail and a contrail?
1: Okay. I feel like I'm going back in history now. Because uh, take the time most, machine back. Most of most of what I do is way in advance of this. I know. But just but for those yeah, that are. Let's yeah. let's start there. Um, okay. The what I call chemical trails or chemtrails. And chemtrails is a term that uh, we have borrowed from the U.S. uh, Air Force Academy. Uh, It is not a conspiracy theory word. It started with the military, and it was very cunning of them to turn it into some sort of tinfoil hat kind of uh, derogatory term. But it is straight from the military. That's what they had on their chemistry manuals for pilots that were preparing to go uh, up in the skies in the Air Force. So um, the the contrail is a condensation trail. And that means water vapor. You're talking um, ice crystals, water vapor, boom, that's it. Uh, and for that to happen, the altitude has to be uh, specific, 29,000 and above. And uh, there, the, to my knowledge to this day, because of the fuel, that is now used in commercial and military jets, uh, what is known as JP8. And there are some biofuels coming up now that are also used. But to my knowledge, there is no condensation trail uh, beyond maybe a a little Piper jet that uh, you know flies up from a local air, air, uh, airport. Uh, I I can't even imagine a, a real contrail anymore. I mean, I haven't seen one in years. Yeah, me either. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, and I haven't seen much uh, documentation from other countries, and I get a lot of material, people send me uh, just thousands of things. Uh, I haven't seen one for a long time, but if I were to see one, uh, and, and compare it to what we're accustomed to seeing now, which is these long white trails coming out, usually there's three of them coming out the back of the jet, and sometimes you'll see uh, two additional ones on the wings. Um, these these are, uh, are, are anything but uh, water vapor, and um, they are loaded with chemicals, at least from the uh, combustion chamber of the engine, where the chemicals in the fuel undergo a process called pyrolysis. And that's a, a very hot, uh, in, the, in the combustion chamber, where those chemicals are oxidized and really uh, turned into uh, a a very different kind of compound than what originally went in. In fact, this fuel that is now used commercially and in military jets uh, is classified, and it is very hard to get any formulae uh, for these fuels, because it is considered national security, so this this is our this is a major problem that we are all breathing. That if it were condensation trails contrails, uh, I wouldn't be having this discussion with you because uh, we did that for for ever since the Wright brothers in the early part of the twentieth century. So, uh, but this is this is different. And these these um, not only are we breathing uh, what's coming out of the uh, engine, the combustion chamber, but we are also breathing that same fuel when it's uh, it's uh, spewed off of the uh, off of the wings before landing. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's normal for uh, flights, especially commercial jets carrying a lot of people. To offload fuel uh, before landing, so um, that is just spewed out, and uh, you know, tough, tough toenails for whoever's below it, uh, and we're breathing that as well. So I don't, I don't even have to add a supplementary system to the jet to to reveal that this is an environmental issue uh, beyond belief. And it's it's absolutely being ignored and avoided uh, in any discussion of climate change, geoengineering, uh, global warming, uh, any of the terms that are being trotted out. This is this is one part of it that absolutely the FAA and the EPA and all the all the types of environmental groups should be all over because this we're breathing it it's falling down onto the earth it's going into the soil it's on the trees it's in the bark it's in it's 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 everywhere everywhere. no it's everywhere and it's and it's global uh uh it is global and it's and when
0: you look at the way that once these trails are laid down how they fatten how they thick how they basically spread to this milky white and they and it changes the uh, you know, the atmosphere in general, it changes. If it was a beautiful, clear, sunny day after a couple hours of this, you, you have this just haze, uh, hanging over you. Now you have worked, you had mentioned earlier that you had worked with, uh, Clifford Carnicom, um, who, yeah, who's been doing this for so long and doing much research, collecting samples of air samples and also water samples. Uh, if you, could you share with us to, uh, share with the audience, what some of those, um, uh, those samples that were tested, what he found in the water and the air from these chemtrails or geoengineering, whatever we want to call them. But, but uh, can you talk about what was discovered?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, but let me preface that with um, the fact that for Clifford and, and I and, and many, many researchers and observers who are following uh, what's going on in the skies, Um, it's not just the pollution aspect. It's not just the chemicals that we're breathing in down here on the earth uh, after they come out of jet engines or off the wings or wherever. It's that it's it's intentional. (laughs) It's not just, oh, we don't care. We're going to just have our jets fly anyway because we want to make a buck. No, this is this has many, many levels of intentionality for a variety of military operations that are going on right now. And weather engineering is only one of them. So I just want that that to linger in the minds because I'm going to get more deep into that. But let me just talk a little bit about what Clifford found. And, of course, he was... Collecting precipitation and finding aluminum, barium, strontium, titanium, lithium, etc. I mean, uh, the the latter two are are relatively recent compared to when he was collecting at the end of the 90s and the early 2000s. Uh, but he was also finding these fibers, and um, the fibers were made of polymers, uh, uh, like um, like a like mylar, and um, the fibers were in his HEPA filter and in the precipitation. Uh, he also found the uh, the very infamous uh, spider webbing uh, material that some people have found, and uh, when when they touch it, uh, they they may get sick uh, because it's it's so lethal. Uh, he found. Uh, he he didn't have the equipment to be able to see on a nanoscale at that time and if he had he would have discovered also uh sensors uh they're they're called mems gems and nems they're very tiny uh and they are uh, they are two-way uh transceivers they transmit they receive uh they collect data and uh there are now in by 2018, trillions of these nano-sized sensors have been released in the upper atmosphere, uh, supposedly to collect data for, uh, for a space, uh, I think it's called space situational awareness, SSA. Uh, but really, it, they all filter down, down, down. And so we're breathing those in too. And uh, they are not—they are not uh, engineered genetically or otherwise engineered to uh, be eliminated from the body. So we have those in us as well. We've breathed those in. We have microprocessors are also released. Microprocessors are tiny little computers, tiny little machines, nanoparticle machines, and uh, they too are transceivers. So so there's a lot coming down. Now Clifford was not able to see those two latter, but he now knows that they're there if you only have the the very expensive equipment in order to see them. I think they're called uh, uh, electro-optical uh, uh, microscopes. So, um, so what he discovered, though, with the uh, aluminum, I mean, that's serious enough. Of course, the, of course, the aluminum, aluminum is, yes. that is is has been released is just a killer. It's a killer for us. We now are making ties between it and Alzheimer's, and uh, at one end of the aging uh, spectrum. And uh, and autism at the other end of the aging spectrum. So so uh, the aluminum is is not our friend. It's it is natural in the envi- environment, but not nearly to this degree. Uh, biologists in California, uh, I'm thinking of Francis Mangles right now, um, have have done uh, a lot of collection, a lot of analysis of soil that's turning uh, extremely um, alkaline. And uh, that's not good for growing. And and the analysis shows that the aluminum is uh, is uh, 225,000 times what it should be. Uh, you know, it's so far wow. over the norm that it, it's impossible to even even fathom how anything can grow. Of course, we're now seeing trees uh, basically dying from the root up uh, in the bark. And, uh and, th- and that is greatly because of the aluminum uh, i mean when when i'm talking aluminum coming down it's it's in the uh it's in the fuels uh it's uh it, it may be there may be more uh added to what's coming down for various operations that the military is running it's, it's also a conductor wouldn't it be a conductor? Because it's a an it's, it's an yes, out. and that that's really the key. Yeah, it's it was originally called chaff, by the military, uh, and it was uh, which meant that it was uh, in order for radar to pick up uh, any sorts of objects in a field it requires particulate matter to be in that field otherwise the uh, radio frequency or microwaves are really uh, cannot uh, detect anything so so the aluminum is uh, is primarily about uh, wireless operations and I make that very clear in the book I spend a lot of time on that aspect uh, in the book about to come out so so Clifford yes he he was the, uh, to my knowledge, and his. Uh, he was the Lone Ranger, oh, yes. collecting all this Many at the end of the nineties and the and the early two thousands. Um, and and so uh, among those, I, I've named the the uh, conductive metals on a nano scale. I've named the sensors, the microprocessors. Also, uh, I've, I named the polymers like the mylar, and and one of it, it, the fibers that had the mylar. Uh, out uh, exterior that's what Clifford began to analyze and that's when he discovered the Morgellons and he renamed it the cross-domain bacteria primarily because by the time he had analyzed it which took years and years on a shoestring budget uh, he had realized that it really crossed over all three domains of life on this planet Uh, and that it had been genetically engineered. So um, the Morgellons uh, fiber, the fiber is the exterior, but inside are four other parts that he uh, meticulously separated out. He then uh, began to um, look at people's blood and urine and saliva, and that's, I of course gave him mine, and uh, I was able to see through his microscope back in probably 2009 uh i could see the uh cross domain bacteria munching and sucking out the iron from my red blood cells under his microscope oh my god so i know we all have it we have all breathed it in now some people as you know develop terrible skin lesions which Leads uh, some physicians and uh, clinicians to think, "Oh, it's a skin ailment." No, no. it's not. Uh, it is actually a um, a blood condition, but it uh, it will reveal itself uh, from time to time in the skin when the body, the immune system, is is desperately trying to throw it off. Uh, but uh, to my knowledge, and I certainly wouldn't haven't checked with everybody on the planet Earth, uh, because the atmosphere is one large bubble chamber, uh, to my knowledge, we have all breathed it in. And uh, it, that is only one of the pathogens. Other pathogens may also have been released, uh, I think right away of what people call limes uh i think of other uh challenging uh diseases that are are what we call autoimmune uh, diseases uh all of these are really less disease and more symptom of a condition of our immune system that these are all assaulting our immune system Uh, people would love it if i'd say hey here it is this is how we're going to stop this tomorrow uh, you know, write your congressman, uh, sign this <laughs> petition, uh, blah blah blah. But of course, uh, I don't waste my time on those things. Um, I try to prepare people for uh, the uh, the change in American lifestyle here in America uh, from the, the you know the people who feel uh, that they. They are living a relatively middle-class lifestyle. Land I mean, of the free, home of the brave, right? Yeah. Yes, all of that. I, I, I try to prepare them for the fact that that is going to change. That, that the external life is going to change. And already we can see, if we care to look, the internal is changing as well. And that includes our immune system. I think the American health today is probably worse than it's ever been. And, uh, and, and of course, it's not discussed because the big pharma industry and the medical industry are making masses of, of billions, trillions of dollars off of people's illness. And they're collecting data that I'm sure some of which is being shared with the CDC, the EPA, et cetera, who are very much on this uh, distribution I'll call it a dissemination, distribution, inoculation of uh, of these pathogens that are oh. being genetically engineered under chemical and biological warfare. Period. And, and you just
0: and you just mentioned something that uh, just struck a chord with me. Um, you know, when I was a child, we you know we did have our vaccinations. I remember having to line. It, I I remember being pulled out of class and you know, a very young age taken to the nurse's office and hearing children crying and screaming. And I didn't understand what was going on. There was no, nobody, you know, told us what was happening. Uh, And we all had that big, I guess it was the polio vaccine, the big one, the, 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 the huge gun. But even when I was a child, we had a few vaccines that were given to us. Now Uh children today, if you have a baby and you're born, if you have a baby and this baby is born in the United States and, and in several other countries around the world, they are also immediately um, given massive amounts of vaccines. They're, you're not really told what's in them. Uh, if, you, if you were given a list of what's in them, you don't really necessarily know. But then you had just mentioned that. So I'm thinking we're already having these babies come in with a weakened immune system. Um, and then being exposed to whatever is being sprayed in the air, all these different particulates. Uh, you mentioned, of course, the aluminum, the, uh, n- the nanotechnology, which just is on its own an absolutely frightening thought that yes. we have these little um, strange little computer creatures in our, in our bodies. Um, I know there's also barium which I believe is something maybe it's to keep it. I don't know if it's to keep it inside um, of us or what the purpose is of that. But so we're coming into this world already with a weakened immune system and then, boom, being hit with this. Now, there's another layer, and this is the layer that I think people are, I mean, they're definitely not aware of. They're not aware of, of, of all of this, Alana. And then on top of it, we're talking about a lot of the phones, our cell phones, which we carry with us, which are prolific. The cell phone towers are all over the place. But then you have uh, this move now, this move because the government wants, oh, so badly to make sure that people get the best cell phone coverage ever, (laughs) right? (laughs) So they want to move to 5G. Now, nobody, this is not on anybody's radar. The news isn't talking about it, of course, but I have heard and read that a move from 3G, 4G, and then now going to 5G, that 5G is like, there's, there's the, there's the prison right there. There's the, the fence. Yeah. The space fence lockdown. Yes. You're you're absolutely right. Talk about 5G Uh, about this move from 5G. We're talking about uh, radiation, electronic radiation, or what, what is the, what is your understanding?
1: um, Yeah. The big part is that this is very deceptive. Um, we the uh, public is told that it's just one more generation up from fourth generation. that That's not true. This is completely different from the uh, second, third, fourth generation. Those were all uh, a, a type of wave that uh, that you could imagine uh, might not be as unhealthy but uh, the truth is that the 5g is millimeter wave technology now so far the only place we've seen we the public have seen millimeter waves used are in uh, the uh, machines that tsa uses to look through people's clothing for uh weapons etc that's millimeter wave tech it'll go through walls it'll go through anything and it is uh, uh, very high frequency. Uh, it is very invasive. And uh, it. I, I will go, um, I'm now writing the third book in the series on synthetic biology, and I will go deeply into uh, how this is going to impact our DNA. Because our DNA is basically a little antenna. That's really all it is. Very subtle, very... Um, Brilliant uh, and vulnerable, and uh, and this is a nightmare. This is a nightmare because they're going to put five G units, and they're going to be smaller, uh, and you might not even be able to see them once they realize that the public is is waking up to these things. Uh, but they're going to put them throughout. They're going to blanket neighborhoods with them because the five G is going to be um, the uh, the pickup point for the Internet of Things, the IoT. And the Internet, Internet of Things is simply that your garage opener and your car and your computer and your refrigerator and your, uh, your laundry unit uh, and your stove, et cetera, they all talk to each other. They are all on a similar frequency. So that they can communicate, these are the uh, big brother uh, instruments in the home that will keep track of when people are home, the smart TVs, home? right? Uh, what's going on? What conversations are going on? This is the uh, this is the real uh, meat of uh, the surveillance state. That is really what the f- space fence is all about. Uh, uh, so the 5G will be in the neighborhood, and and that w- the, all of the uh, the machines will be talking to the 5G, and the 5G will then uh, transfer that to uh, to various points where they're picking up that data and translating it with uh, either supercomputers or artificial intelligence. This idea of turning the earth and society into a surveillance instrument. So that they know where everyone is and where everything is, uh, is, uh, is is phenomenal, and uh, it's come up so fast in the last um, oh I'll give it five decades that uh, you know Americans have been absolutely um, I'm sure are in a a, a brain fog uh, these days because every day you know I'm getting data from. All over the uh, all over the world from people about uh, new new technology coming out uh, and and all of it has that smacks of that 1984 transhumanist cyborg uh, control uh, that uh, Dr Rosalie Bertel the great epidemiologist wrote in her book about planet Earth and turning it and turning it into a weapon and she was absolutely right that is exactly what's happening.
0: Well, when you said George Orwell's 1984, that's, yeah, I, I thought about that um, immediately and having every single thing be observed and documented. But that is also, isn't that what, what when they introduce the smart meters. Again, as a way of, be, it's always about being more efficient. It's It's gonna make your life so much easier. Whenever they sell you a bill of goods, I always figure this, whenever the government or a corporation is telling you that they're going to make things easier on you or make your life better. Run, right? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But the smart meters, now they, these things, people willingly take them on their home. They're on their homes. They're next to their bedrooms or their children's bed. These are what are supposed to be reading the, what your electrical usage is, right? The electricity that you use in your, in your home. But these from the get go I've had so many issues, people who have complained of extreme headaches, being absolutely sick, these have some some of them have caught on fire. Is it's because of the large amount of radiation that is being emitted from them to get that data back to
1: whatever well, the station is? Yeah, it's the it's less the radiation and more the pulsing I mean, Ah, this pulsing uh, is very, very important. Um, As Billy Hayes drilled into me, you can stack uh, many uh, many frequencies on a pulse. And so um, I'll give you an example. All right. So like when you come home and your garage door, uh, you have your... The little thing that you push and the button and garage door open. That's because you're you're activating its frequency. It recognizes its frequency. It opens. Push it again. It recognizes its frequency. It closes. So uh, that in that simple way, um, we see that everything is a matter of frequency. If you know its frequency. And you have um, electromagnetic, say you have uh, electromagnetic weapons, uh, which the military, of course, is very interested in. Uh, then you 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 can take power over that thing because you have its frequency. Another way of saying it is you have its electronic signature. Correct. And everything has its own signature. Now you go to the human being, and if if your cell phone and by the way, I do not own one. I do not want one. I will never own one. It's like carrying your own weapon system around for uh, the military. Um, if you, uh, you you take that cell phone and um, you're not even putting it up to your brain, you're just carrying it in your car, in your purse, in your back pocket, whatever, uh, it's pulsing. You've got it turned off, uh, but, but it's still on, and it's always pulsing. And and so that pulsing can be used. Uh, now we already know that uh, all of them have a microphone that never turns off. Uh, it's a listening device, and so is the television now, and so is the Internet of Things. The refrigerator—they're all listening, uh, and and they're all uh, data. Their data is being picked up, and uh, and and take and and brought to centers like fusion centers we have fusion centers all over the United States. nobody ever talks about them. These are these are uh, these are exchanging um, sort of roundhouses for collecting data and processing it uh, so that uh, Big brother knows everything about everyone everywhere all the time. Uh, so that that cell phone can be used if they know the frequency of your, anger quotient or your passion your sexual passion your whatever and and if if you become you individually become a problem then uh you know that cell phone turns against you and can be used uh and exploited as can the whole internet of things as can the entire house of 60 hertz all the wiring in the house uh in other words uh this this profound moment when uh, this fascinating technology has been, is being taken to its extreme because the military is running programs that are so inimical to life, and it won't give them up, that it absolutely cannot have the public know that it's doing, that what's going on. And that's, that's our challenge. Uh, you know, I've been an activist, uh, I'm a 60s uh, radical. I've been an activist for over 50 years. Um, and uh, I have I have done everything in my power, giving public talks, workshops, writing, you name it, to wake America up, because I knew this was coming. I, I knew it, you know, it didn't take a rocket science PhD to figure that out, all you had to do was have a political conscience, and and not feel that, you know, the authorities will take care of it. Because, uh, you know, we in the 60s, we knew what authorities did. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, well, they assassinated our president. Yes. They assassinated Martin Luther King. They yes. assassinated Robert Kennedy. They assassinated Ma- Malcolm X. I mean, you know, we know what authorities do. So, uh, so now, people are walking around with these cell phones, not realizing that they can be pulsed, and uh, and and you can pulse neighborhoods. Uh, you can pulse whole cities. Uh, they're all getting the same pulse through their their cell phone. You're creating a field that even the one like me who's not doesn't even have one of them. But I'm walking through the. You're field. still you're still being impacted, right? I
0: have I have a friend who cannot. Yes. She cannot be like she'll go to conferences. You know these big seminars, and she'll she she has such a hard time. Because everybody that's sitting there, if it's 500 people, they all have their cell phone on, and even if yes. they even if they turn down the volume or, or whatever, they're still. She said she said it it's unbearable for her. She's very sensitive to that, so she yes. can feel it. And that's just I mean, that's just yeah, that's electro
1: sensitivity. Yes, and and yeah. in in Europe, uh, at least in the northern European nations, uh, they now have uh, they now respect that that is an actual condition. And so they are helping people who have electro uh, sensitivity, whereas in this country you're just considered a nut, nut job. Um, <laughs> right. Certainly, in every every conference, every conference uh, should immediately tell uh, people to put their phones on airplane mode. Just put it on airplane mode. Now, I was at a uh, recently. I was at a uh, friend's house, and we had uh, several of us were gathered in a. A woman was sharing with us the various um, uh, electromagnetic readers that she has purchased for various uh, to read the radio frequency, to read microwaves, to read directionality and all these. And we were it was fascinating. And, and we tested the airplane mode. And the airplane mode really had a much lower uh, uh, pulsing rate. It it was almost silent. So it really convinced me that the airplane mode will will definitely help. And everybody should be keeping their phone on airplane mode all the time. That's brilliant. That is brilliant.
0: Let's repeat that again because I want our listeners to to know that. Because because when you are on a plane, they don't want your cell phone to interfere with their electronics, right? So that's why they tell you to put it on airplane mode. So let's... Let's put that out again. Go ahead. Say that one more time, if you don't
1: mind. Well, the we had, we tested the airplane mode on a cell phone, and uh, and it it uh, it definitely works for uh, less pulsing, and people should keep their phone on airplane mode all the time. Uh, but people are becoming so addicted to the uh, to the. Uh, somebody wants me, uh, gee, I wonder if so, so-and-so is going to call, uh, all that stuff. Facebook, uh, and Instagram, yeah, yeah. Well, any of it, uh, just the cell phone itself. I mean, it, the obsession with the cell phone uh, makes me wonder if one of the pulsing that is coming across uh, is about a, the frequency for, what would you call it, addiction? Uh, would you call it... Uh, neediness i don't know what the word would be but so many people are so uh, hooked in to their cell phones and 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 not just young people you know we we often laugh about young people just always looking down but no no it, it, i'm surrounded by people you see and i i do fine without a cell phone i mean okay the, there will be the occasional uh, emergency but there probably have been over the last Eighty thousand years for an emergency <laughs> now and then. Anyway, right, right. Uh, and then I am, i just don't want to be considered so important that I need to be tracked twenty-four-seven by my government or others that are concerned about the books I write or whatever. I—I I just come home to my uh, my wired phone. And see if there's a blipping uh, that shows somebody called. Hardly ever anybody calls, which is great. Uh, and uh, and you know, life goes on. I don't I don't really need those devices. And now, people who are involved in organizations really studying the cancer rate that has gone off the charts for people that put the tran- these little transmitters, and that's what they are, I put the transmitter up to their brain. Uh, uh, they're saying, you know. It would be much better if everybody went back to wired. Well, and, uh, well and I you,
0: totally agree, and you've studied it, and you and you and you understand um, most. Yeah, most of the population are not. They're sold on the convenience, quote unquote, convenience. Well, it's a religion.
1: It is a religion. It's a
0: religion for the American, especially for well, not just for Americans. I, I you know, um, all across the globe, there's more and more studies of young people. You know, um, preteens. On their phones, on their cell phones, on their devices, literally like, you know, 14 hours a day, 14 to 15 hours
1: a day. But let me tell you about Europe. Uh, Maybe you don't know this. Um, Germany, uh, the Scandinavian countries, they are banning wireless from all schools, all libraries, all public buildings, because they know it will mean cancer. They know it. And they are not run by corporations the way we are. Mm-hmm. And we, we have traded our American soul of independence and individuality for a buck for convenience. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, but, come the, on. but the, politi- you know, right, the politicians, right, the like That I think it was Winston Churchill or somebody who said, you know, if people are willing to trade their freedoms for convenience or any of that, well, then maybe they didn't deserve them in, in the first place. And I, I I feel
0: that well, and I think I just I think that we're our population who is you know Disneyfied. You know, look at this pretty, look at these pretty baubles over here. Look at the Kardashians. What are they doing? Yes. Look at the celebrity. Like right, you know, you know, right now it's, uh, with the award seasons. You know, people are are bedazzled by you know Hollywood actors and actresses, celebrities wearing expensive um, you know clothing, and so we are and we we have been a nation who's been bedazzled by celebrity and um
1: and perhaps wealth uh yeah it's called called mind control it is we have been completely mind controlled and it's through the television i have never owned a television the closest i've gotten is this little laptop i'm talking on now I, i i cannot tell you how dangerous these convenience items are and Having turned over all of our thinking and all of the reading that people used to do to the visual center of the right brain, this is a bad idea. This mm. is a very bad idea. and i'm I'm now uh, I'm not mincing words anymore because um, I could, this is imminent. Uh, here's let's just bring in the other part that we were talking about earlier. You have a wireless um, uh, atmosphere. We have, We have, it's been ionized. It's through HARP that that originally happened. Uh, We now are bringing uh, ionized, uh, which basically just means electrons, electrical. Our our whole atmosphere is electrical now. And it is kept electrical for wireless operations. They only gave us the cell phone when they needed those cell towers for military operations. Otherwise, they kept them from themselves. I mean, it's the military that had the computer first, too. They had the phones first. They had the television first. They will only give us these little baubles and bangles when they need to use us for military operations. And that's exactly what's happened. And when Clinton signed off on the 1996 Telecommunications Act, that is the act that says no community has the right to interfere with wherever a telecommunications corporation decides they need a tower for uh, for communications so we we were we have no rights before the government who hires these telecom com- companies and and by the way let's not fool ourselves they are military contractors And these are all military operations. They are all military infrastructure. And that's what I go into in the Space Fence book, is to show how this giant machine on the Earth and in low Earth orbit over the Earth, how this works for their operations and human beings and the health of forests and animals be damned. Exactly, exactly. Which is, it it is... uh...
0: I, the word doesn't even come to mind, um, how evil that is. Um, mm-hmm. it's absolute control, absolute dominance. It's not just, it's not playing God because my vision of God is, is the complete opposite of, mm-hmm. of what this is, but it is, it is quite, um, it is quite dark and it is quite, uh, uh, evil, uh, to well, have Well, that.
1: that's what full spectrum dominance means. That's the second part of the title of my first book. You know, I'm talking full, they want full spectrum dominance. It is a military doctrine full spectrum dominance another doc another-, another doctrine
0: or another um military document too is and people can look that up is uh owning the weather and we only actually we only have a couple minutes left in this broadcast and i could talk to you for hours and hours and hours <laughs> oh my <laughs> yeah, gosh course. i want to have first of all will you come back and we can <clears throat> we can dive into some particular topics and go in deep and 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 have you back on many times during, on the show Yeah, my guest this hour has been alana freeland investigative author, speaker, and researcher who has written several books on geoengineering, chemtrails, and the weaponization of space. Her latest book is Under an Ionized Sky from Chemtrails to Space Fence Lockdown. And where can people, first of all, where can people get the book? Uh,
1: They can get it at Amazon. Uh, or they can order it direct from Farrell house who is my publisher is there, um, is there a way for
0: people to get in touch with you uh do you is do you have a website or something where people
1: can communicate? i do it's elana freeland.com and then you'll find uh there's an email there and if you need to you can uh, contact me that way let's give out so i'm yes, going to give out the spelling so people know how to uh, how it's spelled e-l-e-l-a-n-a f-r-e-e-l-a-n-d dot com uh, all lower case check out her website but um, most importantly get
0: the book as well Under an Ionized Sky from Alana Freeland and again the website is e-l-a-n-a-f-r-e-e-l-a-n-d dot com and Alana I want to thank you so much for your courage for your tenacity for your your wonderful gift to this world that, that you've been doing over these last few decades. And, um, and we'll continue to get your word out as well. When you come back on out of the box radio, I want to thank you for your, for coming on. All right. Thank you so much, Christine. You're welcome. And I want to thank you listeners for listening today. Remember if you enjoyed the show and you want to share it with others, please do. You can share this link through either YouTube. You can share it easily in email or post it on your social media, or you can share the actual audio version of the show from the podcast, which is out of the box with Christine.podbean.com. And please do share this, this information with as many people as you can. Until next time, I want to thank you, and we'll talk to you very, very soon. And as I always say, remember to think outside of the box. Bye.